When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Beth Capici, and I'm sorry, I have been on a bit of a hiatus slash delay slash procrastinating binge lately with my podcast for lots of reasons, and I won't go into those because I'm going to make this short and sweet today, but I have so many ideas brewing as far as the podcast goes and stacks of things in my pile here at the office that I want to talk about. And I keep procrastinating, but I am going to go ahead and do a short intro to bipolar disorder. I did do one episode on bipolar disorder well over a year ago with Dr. Tim Jennings, and I would encourage you to go listen to that. But I feel that bipolar disorder is very complex, and I've had some interesting breakthroughs with clients in the last few weeks and trying to do some of that tricky diagnostic stuff to distinguish different disorders such as ADD um, or ADHD and bipolar. There's a huge amount of overlap. There can be a lot of overlap with anxiety and bipolar disorder. And, you know, sometimes we have both. We have comorbid conditions and but it can really be life-changing if you can hone in on the right diagnosis and not, you know, sometimes it really is tricky. So bipolar disorder often goes undiagnosed. In fact, I heard a statistic years ago that most people with bipolar disorder get misdiagnosed three times before they land on the right diagnosis. And at the time of that presentation, I heard They said that the most common misdiagnoses are anger problems, anxiety problems, and ADHD are the three most common misdiagnoses. So most of you probably know bipolar disorder used to be called manic depression, and that was changed. You might want to Google that, uh, why that was changed. Um, Also, Now they're often referring to it as a bipolar spectrum, which I think is really good. And that spectrum is one of the reasons that it often doesn't get diagnosed because if someone's mildly on the spectrum or their bipolar manifests in a different way, then they are, um, they go undetected. And so um, anyway, All right, I'm going to just give you like 10 minutes of information, and then I'm going to do a second episode on bipolar that goes more in depth. So the way I like to talk to my clients about bipolar and just word pictures that help explain it and the complications in, in understanding the disorder, I like to think of bipolar as surges of energy. And I mean, you could definitely talk about mood swings. 
that's another good way to look at it. But we all have mood swings. So it's kind of a matter of degree or severity. So since you're not here visually to to see my hand (laughs) gestures, I usually try to say that there should be a floor and a ceiling on our moods, but there are just mood swings like waves. And um, but since you can't see me here, it's just my voice. I'll say that let's in this instance say that 10 is mania or a high surge of energy and one is depression And then five is sort of just the average middle ground mood. So if you might want to view it that most of our moods may go between a three and a seven. And if you get below a three, you're probably mildly depressed. And if you get above a seven, you're probably mildly manic or high, which we call hypomania. And then a full-fledged high is mania. So hypomania, that word is kind of confusing to people. So in this case, we're going to say above seven, you're having a surge that's not normal and you're a bit manic. And if you're below three, you're a bit depressed. So um, the confusing thing about this too is our, our mood swings can last for just a few hours or they can last for weeks. So There is bipolar one disorder, bipolar two disorder, and then there is something called cyclothymic disorder, and there's unspecified or other specified bipolar disorder. Um, And then we can also have rapid cycling, which is another specifier, which is a bit confusing. So um, when I look at the surges of energy, my two favorite word pictures are to imagine a lamp that starts instead of, you know, our lamps and light bulbs are supposed to just kind of have a steady burn or a steady glow. But if you've ever seen a lamp that suddenly starts surging and looking a little bit brighter and then kind of dimming, It's kind of shocking and weird and unexpected, and it's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be very steady. Um, Again, our moods are not always the same. We all have mood swings. It's just a matter of degree. Um, So that's not the perfect analogy, but it does kind of give you an image. Um, But that's not ideal if if things aren't kind of pacing themselves. So I like to think of it as a pacing problem where we don't have the shutoff valves that stop Um, you know, a ceiling of how high our moods get or a floor of how low our moods get. The other example I use is if you're running a race, most people when they're running a race kind of keep a steady pace. Um, If they're running five miles or 10 miles or whatever, Um, but you might see someone that's sprinting for a couple minutes and then they have to walk because they pushed it way up to like a nine or a 10 and that's not sustainable. So, um, Anyway, um, again, there, there are lots of specifiers that can make this tricky. Um, one important one that I won't have time to go into is that you can get hypomanic or manic and you might not get depressed. In most cases, you know, you're going to have some lows if you have highs, but there are some cases where you can just be manic or hypomanic and normal. So, um, Another really confusing piece of the highs is that they don't have to be the stereotypical high highs that most of us associate with mania. So um, whether that's because it's just milder, it's not as noticeable, which reminds me of dysthymia, which is a mild, I'm sorry, dysthymic disorder, 
or dysthymia is a mild low-grade depression. Um, that is harder to detect than a severe depressive episode as we see in major depressive disorder or major depressive episodes. So um, we most of the time think of a high as someone talking fast, maybe being really hyper, having grandiose feelings, surges of confidence, excitement, um, not needing much sleep, being extremely productive. We, you know, often see racing thoughts along with really rapid speech or pressured speech. Um, and then impulsive behavior or risky behavior, which can be speeding, spending lots of money, gambling, sexual impulsivity, substance impulsivity, um, but a lot of times we assume that people are going to look really giddy and high and sped up, but sometimes it's a milder high or it's a bad high, which we call, um, instead of a euphoric mania, like euphoria, like a good high, it's dysphoric mania. So you can have like a bad high, which I have compared to extreme PMS, um, before your period, um, if you're a woman, you uh, might have like extreme irritability before a period. And that agitation is a high, which doesn't seem like a high. So that's another reason that some people never get diagnosed is because their highs may not look like highs because it's a bad mood. But it is a surge of energy. It's just kind of a surge of irritable, agitated energy. So that's another reason that it can get um, unnoticed or misdiagnosed. Um, and why you see anger is one of the common, like an anger problem is one of the common diagnoses that you might see um, or get before they realize, oh, you're actually having mood swings or you're on the bipolar spectrum. So I'm going to read you um, a few of the symptoms of the highs. I think the depression is a little bit easier to understand, even though depression can have a different manifestation or, or, or really just manifest a bit differently. Um, people can have a sad depression or an angry depression or an agitated depression. So that is a little bit tricky, but I think it's more well understood um, depression is than mania or hypomania. So one of the most popular screenings for bipolar disorder is called the MDQ questionnaire. It stands for the Mood Disorder Questionnaire, and you can pull it up very easily online and take it. Um, I'm going to read it really quickly. Um, there are 13 sort of symptom questions and then a few specifiers after that. So the 13 questions are, have you ever had a period of time where you were not your normal, usual self? And here goes the first one. You felt so good or so hyper that other people thought you were not your normal self or you were so hyper that you got into trouble. So kind of unusually good or hyper, happy, giddy, maybe. Second, you were so irritable that you shouted at people or started fights or arguments. That one, there's the unexpected um, bipolar symptom or manic symptom that a lot of people don't realize can be a sign of hypomania or mania. Then you felt much more self-confident than usual. You got much less sleep than usual and found you didn't really miss it. We call that a decreased need for sleep. 
And that might be that you're sleeping four hours, five hours, maybe not even sleeping for a night or two. Um, Could be a whole week of only sleeping four or five hours, but feeling surprisingly wired, surprisingly productive in spite of that. So that's a decreased need for sleep. Um, A time where you felt much more talkative or spoke faster than usual. That's the pressured speech I was talking about. Or where thoughts raced through your head and you couldn't slow your mind down. Or where you were so easily distracted by things around you that you had trouble concentrating or staying on track. That's an example of overlap with ADD big time. Um, Where you had much more energy than usual. And then you were much more active or did many more things than usual. And sometimes just a little side note, some life situations can set us up for kind of extreme mood shifts where you're, you're on a roll trying to get a big project done or planning a wedding or preparing for something huge and you're burning the midnight oil, not sleeping as much. And you kind of use a lot of your reserves and your body may be trying to help you kind of get some extra endorphins or adrenaline or running on fumes and you kind of set yourself up for a crash. So it's interesting how sometimes we can bring on a high or a low with our lifestyle, even if we're not trying to do anything unhealthy, we're just kind of burning the candle at both ends and being overly productive and you get all, you know, high or excited about it. And then you kind of have a dip potentially later. All right. The last few, um, you're much more social or outgoing than usual, like telephoning friends in the middle of the night. I work with a college um, kid about 20 years ago who had just a very classic manic depressive type of um, cycle. He got really high, was calling all of his old high school teachers and thanking them. And I think even elementary teachers and just went on this huge thing of calling a bunch of people to thank him. It was really sweet. But he crashed after that and like shut his blinds, stayed in his dorm room, didn't come out of his room for like a couple of weeks. So that was a a very classic manifestation of highs and lows. Um, Much more interested in sex than usual. When you're manic, you can be very hypersexual and maybe feel guilty about it or shame about it. A lot of people don't realize that can be a manifestation of mania or hypomania. And then doing things that are unusual for you um, or that other people thought were excessive, foolish, or risky. That could be drugs. It could be decision-making, business deals, um, you know, sexual stuff, any any kind of thing like that. Um, and then the last one is spending money that got you in, or your family into trouble, like debt or spending money you didn't have, um, buying ridiculous stuff. Um, buying too much of one thing, even if you have the money for it, just, you know, spending ridiculous amounts on things. Um, So those are the 13 symptom questions. And then after that, it kind of asks you to think about um, how much trouble this caused in your relationships or your jobs or in your life. And then whether anyone in your family either has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder or has these symptoms and then whether a professional has ever told you you might have bipolar. I had somebody last week that we had a bit of an epiphany and 
um, you know, said that maybe bipolar was a missing link and why she never feels the same way, um, on any given day. Um, not that every day is different, but, um, when we went through this MDQ questionnaire, she had a positive screening. She was definitely well over the seven that is required of the 13. And that means this warrants further, um, look or further investigation or assessment. But she said that someone when she was 16 had diagnosed her as bipolar and that she just wasn't convinced and her mom didn't really want her to be treated for it. So they just kind of swept it under the rug. And now it's been over 20 years and she's realizing this is a missing link and why she just feels that, you know, her body is not kind of pacing itself right. And some days she's really super productive and energetic and other days she just crashes so anyway, there's a little intro. I'm going to do another recording soon with a few more um, research uh, studies and more information and some more specifics. But um, hopefully this will help you understand bipolar and why it's so tricky to diagnose. Mm-hmm.